Hello and welcome to another episode of Next Man Up. And we are back, baby. It is season four of the Next Man Up podcast. We are the British and Irish Eagles. And oh my God, it's been a few weeks and how lovely it is to see the faces of my co-host, Mick, the Beard, McGivern and Phil Mount-Stevens. Phil, how the devil are you, sir? I saw that newsletter you sent out today. Absolutely banging. You'll all have that in your inboxes. How are you well? Yeah, I'm good. I managed to get a few hours in today while I was supposed to be, in quotes, at work. Um, so I managed to afford a little bit of time to get the newsletter out. So yeah, you'll be uh, you'll be finding that in your inboxes soon. Um, apart from that, yeah, just uh, winding down the days until I leave the Royal Navy now, trying to find a job and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> How long you got now, buddy? A couple of months? I've got three weeks until I actually stop working, but I've got a couple of months before I stop getting paid, so... That's exciting times all around, not just the start of the new season in X Man Up, but new life, new life, new work life for you, Phil, after the new life you brought into the world last year as well, with your uh, lovely son, um, Bodie. Mick, how are you, sir? You've also got two young whippersnappers keeping you on your toes. How are you? As, as always, mate, chasing after those kids is um, keeping me fit, I tell you that. I've lost a bit of timber since the start of the year, so that, the diet's going oh, pretty flex. well so yeah. far, you know. I've, I've, I'm able to, I was, my, my goal at the start was to, you know, to fit back into my, my, my Kelsey jersey, because it's, I bought it in a medium, and I was, I was swore to myself I would get back into it, so I managed to do that before the Super Bowl, even though, you know, after having a few too many beers at the Super Bowl, I was maybe bursting out it by the end. But, <laughs> um, but no, the diet's going well. The kids are, the kids are what they are. Just chaos as, as usual. But excited about starting season four of the podcast. Season four, guys, can you believe it? No, no I cannot. I mean, we started this podcast in in lockdown. For those of you who've been listening from the beginning, I know it'll be a few of you out there listening, and you have. And uh, what started off with a tumultuous horrendous form that we were in, uh, culminating in, in Wentz uh, leaving at the end of the second season we did, the second season we were doing, next man up, Jalen Hurts taking the reins, a good transitional year in which we finished with a, a winning record, all culminating then again in, in a Super Bowl performance for Jalen Hurts. So we've seen, we've seen the entire ride that the Eagles have been on over the last three and a half, four seasons, and uh, and what a ride it's been. And shout out to everyone who joined us again for the Super Bowl at Passion Avenue, and for those who joined Mick up in up in Scotland, it was a it was a great end to the year. We didn't get what we wanted in terms of the victory, and and it's taken us a few weeks really for that to to get over. I wouldn't say we are over it. I actually dropped uh, Poria, the marketing director of the Eagles, an email today, and. Uh, just to reach out and see if he can hook us up with some of the Eagles alumni, which he's kindly doing, to come on the podcast. And his first sentence back to me was that he, he doesn't think he'll ever get over the loss. And they're still reeling from that in the Eagles organization. So um, <clears throat> it's a tough one. It's a tough pill to take, tough pill to swallow. Whatever acronym phrase you want to use, Phil, you'll probably have 15 million in a minute. That's your thing. But uh, we move forward. We move on. <laughs> And um, look, we've got an exciting podcast to, to come up for you guys. It's going to be an exciting year all round 
for everyone listening in, they be a member of the, the British and Irish Eagles or just a listener to the Next Man Up podcast. What does this year look like ahead of us? Well, we're going to continue to get some awesome guests on. You, so you can expect to hear from Devin Caney on 94 WIP. Uh, she'll be on uh, next week. Uh, we're also going to get Ruben Frank on in the offseason. We'll look to be getting Dave Spadero on and, and many, many more. We've obviously had Colin Wolf, Jamal Singleton in the past. You can expect to see many more illustrious guests and hopefully maybe maybe some players this year as well. That will be that will be awesome we get them on. The British and Irish Eagles membership is going from strength to strength. We had 150 uh, members sign up by the end of last season, and we've just launched our new membership for 2023-24 season. Looking to increase that number even further. Uh, that, of course, gets you 20% off food and drink at Passion Avenue. You get your own membership card. You get access to our UK and Ireland WhatsApp group for Eagles fans. You get a monthly newsletter, access to watch-alongs, and priority access to our trip to Philadelphia in November this year. We're 15 people so far have signed up to our trip to Philadelphia, which is a premium trip, including tickets to the game, accommodation at a four-star hotel, an event with ex-players for Q&A, a trip around the um, link itself, as well as premium tailgate tickets and much more to do. It's going to be some trip. I reckon we'll get around... 30 to 50 people on that trip in totality before the end of it. And yeah, and fantasy leagues. I forget to add fantasy leagues. You can win Eagles merch prizes. We'll be doing giveaways as well. And actually, I believe we were talking about doing a quiz for our members in the next few weeks. So lots to look out for. It's going to be an amazing season coming up. And um, yeah, so what, what are we going to talk about in this podcast? Well, first off, the new coaches. The Eagles are the first team in any three decades to lose both defensive and offensive coordinator at the same time. We're going to look at our new offensive and defensive coordinators and some of the staff on the team, which has happened since we last did a podcast. And then following that, we're going to start the first episode of our Eagle Eye in the draft. And that is going to be looking at the cornerbacks that the Eagles could sign in the draft this year. We've done a bit of research on possibilities, uh, both with the, the first pick, the second round pick, the third pick, and the seventh round pick. So if you're interested in who the Eagles might pick up a cornerback, make sure you stay tuned to that as well. Well, I've started off the season like I normally do, talking far too much and not letting my co-host talk enough. So on that note, why don't we bring in Mick McGiven. How are you, sir? And Brian Johnson, offensive coordinator, are you happy with that appointment? Yeah, I think it was inevitable, wasn't it? It was um, all the rumours since um, Shane Steichen was confirmed to leave um, leave Philadelphia for Indianapolis. And Brian Johnson's name was top of everyone's list, top of the fans' list, top of Howie's list. Um, it's just like the no-brainer move to make. Um, obviously has extremely close connection to Jalen Hurts and Jalen's family. Um, what you want most from your offensive coordinator is that bond and relationship with the franchise quarterback, and that's what we've got. So I think it couldn't be more perfect for as, for, as a situation for Jalen himself um, to have that um, continuity as well because the, the offense was ticking last year. Yeah, um, and In the Super Bowl, we were all talking about how, how well Jalen performed, how well the offense was performing. And yeah, Steichen takes a lot of credit for that. But um, Brian Johnson is also the man behind Jalen um, and behind quite a, quite a number of quarterbacks um, through his, you know, 
the time that he was playing in college football. So um, really happy with the move. I think he's he's a locker room guy. All the guys at the at, at the link love him. Um, all the fans love him. I just it's it's an absolute smashed out of the park sort of hire. I think the only question you might have is about play calling. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think Nick Sirianni came out and, and said that he would not be taking the play call duties on this year, that they would be done by Brian Johnson, but remains to be seen how that pans out. We'll see if he has more of an impact this year. Phil, a question that I'd seen on a number of forums in uh, Eagles fandom was, should we be talking about Brian Johnson being a family friend of Jalen Hurts and, you know, was with Hurts' dad when he was younger. Hurts' dad coached him, I believe, and they've got a great relationship. Should that be the first thing that people are saying about a new offensive coordinator? Or should we be talking more about his style, his ability, his knowledge, which have been spoken about? But do you think there's been too much emphasis put on the relationship part here than the actual skill sets? Well, I think that there's a significant relationship there, so it's hard to sort of really get away from it. So it's going to be a, a massive talking point in terms of whether a coordinator is going to be good or not. I mean, we look more at what the general uh, population sort of says about him and everyone was sort of gunning for him and it was a case of use him or lose him. So there's that factor as well. Did he get the job because we were more frightened of him going somewhere else and being successful or is he actually going to be good? But I think it's a good relationship. This isn't just a, are uh, they grew up swapping pogs with each other as kids and you know, coach and that's going to mean he's going to be that. the quarterback. So, you know, this, this is more from a coaching perspective. The guy, there can't be many people out there that know Jalen Hurts better than better than Brian Johnson. So I think everyone seems overly positive about the appointment. So I think there's very few people that are out there going, well, you know, he's just hired because he knew him as a kid or all that. I think it's, it's a big factor, but I don't think people are talking about it in a negative light, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. And I think Jalen Hurts came out with a with a with a, a quote about uh, Johnson. Uh, he's going to be a star one day. He's going to be a big time head coach one day. It's definitely just the beginning for both of us. And uh, you know, um, Sirianni was effusive in his praise about Brian Johnson as well. And you know, the the relationship it, it is a good thing. A bit more about Johnson that you this is in May not. No, he was a former star quarterback at the University of Utah. Uh, he actually graced the front cover of EA Sports 2010 NCAA football video game, which I thought was quite cool. Uh, a native of Baytown, Texas, he was a three-year starter and two-time bowl MVP at Utah, finished with the most wins in school history, 26, and when, uh, including an undefeated season, 13-0 and 0 during the 2008 campaign. He finished his career throwing nearly 8,000 yards and nearly 60 touchdowns and also ran for 12 scores and 848 yards. So before he moved into the coaching ranks at Utah, he quite a stellar college uh, quarterback career. Um, so obviously uh, the skill sets are there, that, which translated into quarterback. And um, maybe one, one other thing you, you might not, guys might not know about it, but he, he actually helped Dak Prescott um, to become an NFL level uh, quarterback when he moved over to Mississippi State, State. as quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah back in the day, and um, then he went to Florida, had three really successful years of Florida, coaching three All-Americans, including Kyle Trask, who finished with um, 43 touchdowns and was a Heisman finalist. So 
it's not just a relationship in it. There's a lot of stock there. There's a lot of experience there and, and, and successful, I would say as well. It's, it feels to me like Mick Johnson has just gone better and better and better and better at everything he's done as a coach. And that's that's got to be positive, especially when you lose someone as good as Shane Steichen has done for us. Yeah, I mean the, the CV's there. You just read. You pretty much just read it out. Um, <laughs> he's, he's developed some so, some really good quarterbacks. I mean, say what you want about you know Dallas sucks and all that, but Dak Prescott is a pretty good quarterback. Um, Jalen Hurts is um, in his second full season led the the team to the Super Bowl and made that massive leap that he had to make. Of course, you, you attribute a lot of that to Jalen as well, but um, you've got to give Brian Johnson his due. But, uh, where it is. But the, the other thing to consider as well is, of course, what if we didn't take Brian Johnson as, as, as offensive coordinator? Do we lose him? Yeah, like, like Phil yeah. said. Yeah, use him or lose yeah. him. And then you've maybe got a bit of uh, unsettlement in the locker room and maybe Jalen's not quite happy about that situation and things can get a little tense. Um, I know it's, it's a business at the end of the day and sometimes you've got to let the guys walk and find jobs elsewhere if you're not going to promote from within. But like I said, at the start, I think it's a great move. Yeah, I think it's a great move all around. I think that's a very good point you make and, and Phil made the same, you know, use them, use them or lose them. Um, and that would have caused a lot of unrest. Could you imagine if Jalen, if, if he didn't get the job and, and how Jalen Hurts would have probably reacted to that? Probably be suicidal, to be honest. <laughs> For your, uh, well, we'll touch on use him or lose him in a minute when we talk about defensive coordinators um, and where we went on that on that uh, strand. For those of you, if there are any of you out there who are interested in the offensive um, coaching tree within the Eagles. That wasn't the only hire that was made. The Eagles also, um, or promotion, I should say. The Eagles also promoted Alex Tanney to quarterback coach. He was a nine-year um, player in the quarterback in the NFL for the Chiefs, Giants, and uh, and Bucks. Uh, quite a stellar college career as well. And um, he also played for the Browns and the Titans. So 2022 was his first season as assistant quarterback coach, and he's he's jumped up to fill in the boots that Brian Johnson has left. Other hires, uh, Marcus Brady has been um, promoted to, sorry, he's been hired to senior offensive assistant. He was with the Colts last year as their uh, offensive um, uh, support offensive coordinator. And then TJ Paganetti, I'm hoping I spelled that right, has been promoted to the run game specialist and assistant tight end coach. That's going to be his ninth season with the Eagles. So a bit of a success story in the ranks for the birds there. For those of you who don't care about the uh, the coaching tree, let's move on to something you do care about. And it's quite a topical part of the Eagles conversation now. I'm feeling I'm going to bring you on on this one. The Eagles have hired Sean Desai, defensive coordinator. The reason I say it's a topical conversation at the moment, if you haven't, if you haven't been, if you haven't had your ears to the mass, and I don't know what you've been doing, but... Denard Wilson was one of the favorites internally to be promoted to be a defensive coordinator. Um, use him or lose him, Phil, he's, 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 he's left. He's out the door. He's just parted way with the Eagles. He was very liked as the backs coach by Darius Slay, CJ Gardner-Johnson. They've all come out to say that they thought he should have been a um, defensive coordinator before the decision was made. I should clarify, not afterwards, like they were complaining. Um, and CJ Gardner-Johnson attributed him to a big jump in his in his career. 
Are you sad to see Denard go out the door, Phil? Do you like to promote from within? Um, or are you happy that we've brought in Sean Desai, who, for all intents and purposes, is, is a Gannon-type hire? Yeah, for me, it's a bit of a fence one for me, for lack of a better word. Why change? Why, well, why can never change his stripes? Um, <laughs> that's not the phrase. Um, anyway, yeah, the, the, the more I hear that he's very much a, a Gannon-esque player, it suggests to me that, that what was what was the point? Um, but I think Gannon had his had his uh, had his chance, and I think there's probably a lot more to it than how much he blitzed or how soft he plays. You know, the guy comes from the Fangio tree. We we've had um, Fangio in consulting the team over the last sort of season, um, and he was sort of with the team quite closely for the Super Bowl. So there's a, there's a lot of linkage in in that regard. Um, in terms of knowing much about how he's done, it's sort of all I can go off is sort of his his bio, which is sort of where he's been, and I'm I'm, I'm quite liking that the fact that he's been with Fanjo quite a bit. So he's he's the Bears. Uh, he's with him with the Bears from 2015 to 2018, and um, where he was a young quality control assistant. So there's, he's followed him around a bit. He's had sort of um, um, uh, Pete Carroll, Seattle, obviously a very good defensive mind. So there's there's, there's a good pedigree in the yeah. background. There's a lot to read that kind of gives you gives you sort of like okay yeah no i like i like this appointment but then the more people coming out saying oh he's very similar to gannon it's like yeah the only thing i can answer that with is there's got to be some differences and i guess gannon had his had his time and you know i know we're probably not even going to touch on it so you know the the opening opening interview for gannon at the cardinals was uh made me feel very good that he wasn't at the team anymore i could laugh at him at some other time <laughs> I don't even know who he was talking to. I just think I just zoned out after them and went, what is this guy on? But anyway, sorry. He's already a subject of some memes around the NFL world. <laughs> he's been absolutely then. ridiculed, I think. But I think um, it says a lot about Sirianni, to be honest, this hire. Um, because Sirianni has got um, his defensive philosophy, even though he was an offensive-minded coach. And that philosophy is a, a bend and break uh kill the explosive plays, focus on turnover differential. Um, you know, don't yeah, don't don't let teams just one and done you um you know on on, on the playbook. So, and so and he's come out to say that he he does um he does feel like it's gonna be not too dissimilar to last year. And rightly or wrongly, Eagles were one of the one of the top defenses in the league last year and broke all sorts of records with sacks. And while we don't didn't blitz as much and we won't blitz as much, uh, very much under Sean Desai either. If we continue to get the sacks, then it's hard to it's hard to argue against the results. The problem is, and and I think the biggest difference here, hopefully, Phil, and maybe what you're alluding to in, in terms of the differences, a couple of players have noted that when Desai was the um, uh, defensive coordinator um, when he was uh, with the Bears, at halftime, if it wasn't going well, he could be seen to talking to his players to train them up, upskill them, tell them what they're doing right, tell them what they're doing wrong, uh, which is something we didn't see out of Gannon very much. There wasn't that ability to um, be flexible. No, I think it was. no one really had a, had a major issue with the bend-don't-break defence. It's what came with it. It was the lack of flexibility, the lack, to, lack of ability to adjust and change and getting beaten in the Super Bowl, two identical plays just mirrored. 
just goes to suggest that really. So I think, um, yeah. yeah, there are, you know, there are definitely more positive points to to the situation with the fact that, you know, he, he can do these adaptive That's what he's known for. So he's almost an improvement on Gannon and it just feels very much like a, another sensible move. It's like there wasn't, there wasn't a huge amount wrong with the defence. There, there was no point ripping it out and bringing in someone who's completely different and, yeah. and, and going down a different route. That wasn't the need. It was just the fact that we needed someone who just, just had, was just missing that, that little bit extra, that ability to, to really get, change a game. And, you know, it's all good and well when you're putting up 30 odd points against the Vikings and only giving it seven. But when you place a real team where you really need to, to coach, he just was found wanting. So hopefully Desai will come in um, and, and improve the defense again, depending on obviously who we bring back. But more concerning is obviously, like you said, with the, the Denard Wilson situation, the fact that he left because he was overlooked. And now there's rumors swirling around today about um, Matt Patricia possibly being coming touted into come, which is a whole, sort of basket of worms I don't really know that seems like a very strange move to do to sort of bring in someone who clearly is got as at odds with one of our players Darius Slay obviously they had a major falling out when they were at the Lions um but it does worry me that who they're going to bring in at linebackers coach especially if we're going to be losing um one or two key players and and bringing in sort of uh Nicobe Dean and we need someone who's going to be able to bring them in um, satisfactory. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm concerned, but I suppose if you if you're going for a defensive coordinator job and you get overlooked, you're gonna you're gonna have to try and go elsewhere. Yeah, it's interesting, Mick. I just want to pull you in on this one. A couple of points, really. Um, yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned about pressure because like when we were talking about offensive coordinator uh, roles, I wrote down uh, Denard Wilson, use him or lose him, Matt Patricia to come back to, and you you hit the nail on the head there, Phil. <clears throat> How much of a impact on the dressing room does it have to let a guy like Denard Wilson go who was loved so much by the defensive back players and coupling that with bringing in someone like Matt Patricia who let's be clear it was a rumor nothing has been signed sealed or delivered and since then Darius Slay has come out to say Someone said, someone, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, said, oh, he'll play. Um, he just won't like the coach. And a couple of players said, nah, this is different. And then Darius Slay said, yep, this is different. Basically saying that he won't play if um, if Matt Patricia is signed by the Eagles, which you would hope would be a red flag enough for someone who they place so much value in, in the team at cornerback, Mick. Yeah, well, the worst thing that could happen to a team is losing the dressing room, you know, so it's the same in um, soccer. Uh, if the, the manager, no matter how good he is, if he has lost the dressing room, it's pretty much over. The, the, the players can sort of demand it by downing tools and uh, you hate to see it, it absolutely frustrates the life out of you as a, as a, as a football fan, as a fan of the team. Um, but it's, it's a real thing and it's, it's, it's it happens all the time. Um, well, it definitely happens in soccer all the time. We run, most teams run through managers, um, sometimes a couple per season, don't they? But um, it's, it is a worry. It is a worry, because, especially because 
all year when we're talking about last year's Super Bowl run, it was all about, you know, the connection that everyone has in the dressing room and, you know, what an atmosphere. Shagger Johnson's coming from the Saints and he said, I've never been to a place like this where everyone treats everyone as family and you're going to lose that. Like, sort of what we were saying with Brian Johnson, we, we retained that, but we've done the opposite on the defence where we've lost Denard Wilson. And I mean, that's unfortunate, but sometimes business decisions go that way. And Sirianni felt like um, he, he had to hire the, the right candidate. And, you know, I'm not in the interview room. Maybe Denard Wilson can't hold an interview. <laughs> but, um, and, and Sean, Sean Desai just smashed out the park. But um, Patricia, whilst it's, yeah, it's, it's a rumour, but we'll give it a little bit of credit. I wouldn't like to see it. Um, mainly because of everything that I've, that I've just outlined. It doesn't seem like it's, an it's Eagles just, move, does it? It doesn't. No, it's just you don't want to upset the Apple Park We tend to hire a lot. We tend to hire a lot of youth, like new people, fresh faces, fresh ideas. It's not very often the Eagles have brought in a coach who is an ex-head coach, for example. Yes, I mean guy. sometimes we bring we bring in consultants. That that has consultants, happened. Consultants, yeah. We, we sort of brought in some of the, the you know the more experienced, weathered coaches like Fangio, like Phil said, um, started a podcast. We brought him in as a, a sort of consultant this yeah. year, and I'm sure we had someone from the Browns last year. I've totally forgotten his name. Mind blank there, but yeah, I think Patricia would probably be a mistake. I wouldn't like to see it personally. Um, but I'm excited for Sean Desai. I mean, um, the guy, this guy here, Sean Desai made Robert Quinn look good. Sean Desai, sure. when he was at the Bears, that was when Robert Quinn had an all-pro season. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this guy must be able to walk on water. This guy must be able to divide by zero. Um, <laughs> he can do it all if he can get Robert Quinn playing some good football. Because <laughs> it's not the guy Absolutely. that we had last year. No, I just other things to touch on there. Um, you know, there's a reason he was there's a reason he was signed, and both um, both Pete Carroll and Nick Sirianni have said his his football IQ and information is ridiculous. Like he retains so much football information and is very very clever. Just going back to the play style. If you're, if you're listening in, what you can expect, a lot of three, four bases, lots of zone coverage, two high safety shells, coverage geared to prevent big plays, producing lots of sacks without blitzing. Where have you heard that before? We've just touched on it already. But if it works and he can be he can be adaptable and he can be flexible in a game, then it could be it could be an absolutely sensational hire for the Philadelphia Eagles at, at, at defensive coordinator. You know, we, it got us the super it got it helped us get us to the Super Bowl this year. That kind of that kind of play, but if we can, if we can be flexible on those games where we did lose, where we weren't, then that's the perfect sauce. And Sirianni likes this mold. Um, clearly, Harry Roseman likes this mold. I trust Harry Roseman. I trust Nick Sirianni, and I trust them not to make sure the the locker room gets broken up either. So, um, yeah, I think I think good hires all around. I I feel like we probably could have hired Denard Wilson and. Would have been as happy um, if we'd hired Sean Desai. So the fact that we haven't must mean that he's considerably better in their eyes, for whatever reason, to, to let Denar go. All right, excellent. We are going to take a short break and then we're going to go into the Eagle Eye of the Draft and look at the cornerback class. Speech in 60 seconds. And we're back. We are back and 
Oh, I'm excited. We get to talk about the draft. It's the only thing that has made me, has allowed me to stop thinking about the Super Bowl loss, has been researching some players in the draft, starting to do some mock drafts and looking at who the Eagles might sign so that we run it back and go for another Super Bowl drive this year in 2023-2024. Just want to kick it off, guys. Uh, we've just had the Combine. I don't know if either of you two caught any of the Combine. I, I, I watched the running backs and the uh, offensive linemen yesterday. Bit of a difference in speed on the old 40 dash between those two uh, groups of players. Uh, it was lots of fun while I was doing some research uh, for who the Eagles might be drafting. And something which, Mick, you sent through to me earlier on in a week and um, has been very useful has been an interview tracker for who the Eagles interviewed during this week during the Combine in terms of players. And this is important, I feel, very important of who the Eagles are going to go and, and eventually sign or the types of people they're going to be looking at to sign as well. It's worth noting that in 2022, the Eagles did a full interview with Jordan Davis, who, of course, they selected in the first round of the NFL draft. In 2021, they interviewed Devontae Smith, who they, of course, <laughs> Giants, uh, who they, of course, drafted in the 2021 draft in the first round. Eagles don't really draft players unless they've done their full due diligence on them. And while they may do interviews during pro days with some players. It's interesting to note that they did not interview either Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez, the two top cornerback prospects that the Eagles are being mocked to draft at pick 10. Just bear that in mind for a second. If we look at who the Eagles did interview during the last week and the position group specifically, it tells a tale that we may already know of what kind of position group they're looking to draft in this class. Offensive linemen, offensive linemen. We interviewed eight offensive linemen. Let me do some quick, quick maths here. Six, 13, 14, 16, 23, 31. Of the 31 interviews that, were, that had taken place, the Eagles interviewed eight. More quick maths, that's 25% of their interviews were done on the offensive line. And that is quick maths because you guys can see that's not on the screen, right? 25% of our interviews were done on offensive linemen, six of which, six of which, 20% of all interviews were on tackles. The other two were on offensive uh, linemen, guards on the interior side. They also interviewed seven running backs, seven running backs for a position which does not have high value in the NFL, certainly for championship winning teams. If I ever I've seen a sign that the Eagles aren't re-signing Miles Sanders, I don't know why. <laughs> that is it. The Eagles are not re-signing Miles Sanders. They are going to draft a running back this year. That is for certain. They only interviewed two wide receivers, which makes you think that perhaps they might go and look at the free agency market for a wide receiver three. Um, I think we're all in agreement that we don't think Quez Watkins is wide receiver three. Yet. He's certainly a wide receiver four. Maybe he can improve next year. They interviewed one quarterback, so no quarterback factory uh, articles are being spouted by Eagles journalists, and you'd be surprised if there were zero tight ends. Mick, you must be devastated by that news. 
No, I don't have the expectation. Don't worry, don't worry. Not this time. You've got me the last two drafts. I will not be falling for it this time. <laughs> is it Michael Mayer? Is that, is that his name? Yes. Yeah, Michael Mayer. Uh, the top tight end in this draft. In what is, Mick, a very deep tight end draft as well this year. No need with Dallas Goddard recently signing an extension for the Eagles. If we look on the defensive side of the ball, six defensive linemen. So the, th the, the three position groups which have been um, scouted the most are offensive linemen, running backs, and defensive linemen. Not cornerbacks, which was four. Of the six defensive linemen, four of them were edge rushers, and two were interior defensive linemen. It should be noted that on the offensive line, when I said six tackles, a lot of them have played across the across the lining in college as well. Four cornerbacks, which we're um, going to talk about because today's episode is talking about the cornerbacks of who we could who we could draft, and three safeties, which is quite a lot for safeties, and maybe an inkling that we may not be signing CJ Gardner Johnson, or perhaps uh, we just want some depth in that position with Marcus Epps, rumored to be um, quite valuable in free agency uh, this year. So if you don't know what the Eagles picks are this year, where have you been? They've got pick number 10 in the first round. They've got pick number 30 in the first round. They've got pick 62 in the second round. They've got pick 94 and then two picks in the seventh round, 222 and 250. They are likely to get some compensatory picks as well, which will um, make that list a little bit bigger. With that in mind, and before I go on to talk about cornerbacks, Phil, if we look at pick 10 and pick 30, before we talk about cornerbacks, two questions. One, are you wanting to sign a cornerback in the first round with one of those two picks? Or if we move back in round one to, say, the early 20s, and two, is Harry Roseman going to sign a cornerback with those two picks? It's so, I'm denying about exactly what's going to happen with these two picks because they're so they're so far apart in the first round but yet they're not because there's so much that could happen with the pick 10 it could go back they're definitely obviously not going to go up could they go up with pick 30 and pick someone sort of in the 20s it's, and and as you've just said the amount of people they've interviewed in particular positions it's almost there's so many different theories and i guess that's what people love about this time of year is that there's just so many storylines going around like people going well this is what's going to happen but at the end of the day, we all know what Howie Roseman does, and that is he likes mm -hmm. to move about. He likes to recoup picks later on in the in the draft, considering there's a big sort of hole in the middle of our draft, around four or five, that we're not sort of we've not got any picks. So when we look at the Grand Canyon in the middle of our draft picks. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a chasm for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, but when you're looking at the fact that they interviewed eight offen offensive linemen, it suggests to me that they're looking at every player across the board so they're, they're trying to sort of say well depending on what we're doing so that depending on what they're doing they might they can get one at any point or at least they've done due diligence on them all the way through the draft so that would suggest to me that they're maybe thinking well we're either going to go for the top guy or we're just going to see what, what falls where um and maybe you can argue that the less the fewer that are interviewed in a certain position suggests depending on obviously who those people are suggests whether they're going to go hard and then if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen and then they'll look in free agency um but the fact that they've done seven running backs is interesting to me i think most of all 
Yeah, because uh, you're saying that it means that Sanders isn't coming, it's coming back next season. I, I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I think when you've got sort of two world-class talents, um, well, surely the that's draft. the case, Phil. Sure, I mean, come on, we got we we, we no, I think up, they are. We picked, but Gain, I, we picked up Gainwell. We picked, you know, if we if we have Sanders and Gainwell, I mean, unless we're going to pick a running back up in the seventh round, which we could. I think I think that there's a wealth there's a wealth of talent at running back, and and especially when you've got a talent like like Robinson available at certain points, and the fact that we've got two picks in the first round. There's a lot of people that sort of there's a there's a big rumor swell that's happening around Robinson. Um, I think it's too early to take him at ten, and I think I think we'll trade up for him for sure. So I don't think that we'll end up getting him. But it is interesting to say like who whether we're going to go for sort of a cornerback. Um, the fact that they've not interviewed the two top talents would suggest to me that they're definitely not looking in the first round, um, or maybe well, they they're could, just so they, they, these guys. Yeah, they, I mean, they could they could interview at, at the pro day, and, and I do believe I can't remember, I can't remember which my notes will probably tell me in a minute. I can't remember which one of Witherspoon or Gonzalez didn't attend their interviews because of their injury. I think it might have been Wevers. It was Witherspoon. He's got a hamstring injury. That was it. He he's an hamstring injury. So so, I mean, I read into it a lot, and maybe maybe too much at the, at the time of of doing the research for this podcast. Perhaps they could be interviewed at the pro days, but given the opportunity was there to interview Gonzalez, at least you would think they would have taken that opportunity, right? As you're saying, Phil. But, but that's what I mean. You can draw sorts of crazy narratives, especially at this this really early point in sort of the pre the postseason. We're not even at we've we've literally just had the first sort of chapter of the off season, which is watching some people run uncontested for forty yards rough throw passes throw dimes oh my god look at this deep ball dime that's just, oh just on it, that sorry sorry to deject again for like the third time on on that point uh yesterday during the running back drills um carson strong was the quarterback who was throwing the balls to the running backs um obviously philip notes of philadelphia there at uh, second he had to leave to go to some other event which was more important than the nfl combine halfway through and two scouts had to come in and play the quarterback role to throw the ball to the running backs down the sideline i, if you, I watched it live last night and if you, if you guys see it the colts scout was throwing dimes 45 50 yards down the sideline to the running backs play after play after play hey if you're a colts fan for whatever reason you're listening to this podcast you don't need to go to the draft to sign your quarterback this year. Just look at your own scouting department. He's right there. <laughs> but, but that's, that's what I mean, though, isn't it? It, it, it? The combine always just feels like it's like an opening salvo. This is like, let's just get some stats together so people have got something to digest for a few weeks before the draft. There's no, there's some things that are legitimately drawn from the combine, but I think most of it is just trying to fill the, fill the hole between the last game of the season, the Super Bowl. And, You're really and, and... selling this segment of the podcast here, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying is that, like, you know, we're writing down all these stats. We're looking at the, the positions, how many, who they've interviewed and in what position, how many they've interviewed. And ultimately, it's just, it's just too early to say anything. And I think, like you said, we, there's players that we didn't interview that we could, we could have pro days where we interview them later on because we want a, a more private, more one-on-one slot because sure. we're actually looking at them more closely, we just didn't want to show our hand. There's just so much cloaks and dag, cloak and dagger stuff going on as well, um, and I just think the combine's just a little bit of a 
it's just an opening. It's like a like a Miss World competition where they all come out in their swimsuits and you just I like don't know. which one you, which one you like the fancy. But no, you haven't I heard get, what they've I got to say yet. Completely get where you're coming from, and I think that's probably the case for a lot of players. But you can Mick, you can really drive yourself up the board with a strong combine performance, a la Jordan Davis last year. Um, you know, shot up the board with his yeah. physical displays, <clears throat> media appearances. You know, I remember that there was a specific one. I'm not sure it was at the combine where there was um, loads of planks of wood on the right with a soft top, loads of planks, like a gymnastic board kind of thing. One on the left, one on the right. And he jumped up in the middle and like landed both legs on either side. If, if you know, when you guys do see us live streaming, you'll, you'll see I look ridiculous right now. But, um, you know, <laughs> he, he really, really improved his stock value by his performance in the combine. Something that Christian Gonzalez has almost certainly done um, this weekend just gone by. But some, some players also get injured. Some players don't bother going. And and, and so what I'm, what I'm saying is it's just... It's just this is keep your powder dry kind of times. So there's, there's it's fence, so it's fence time. It's fence time. If ever we yeah, had any the, doubt of your role, <laughs> if anyone had any doubt of your role in this podcast, I'm glad that the first episode of 2024, 2023, 24 season, you've cemented it as the unequivocal fence. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the, the, like any any conclusion you can no. draw is like someone catches a 44 yard yard pass. Great, he's now on your radar. That's it. That mean that means nothing more than that. Let's wait until we sort of see a bit more and. Get him, get more towards the draft. I think. Come on, Mick, give us, give us the other angle. Why should we be excited about the combine? Oh, is that what you want out of me? Because that's not what you're going to get out of me. <laughs> okay, uh, well, give, give me, give me, a, give me your own. Combine is like is like Crofts, and then the, the the Twitter analysts come out and start um, posting up videos of um, people doing wonderful and magical things. But um, it's like we see that some of the college pro days, um, uh, which is them. Zach Wilson, I'm pretty sure on his pro day, everyone was creaming themselves over the throws that he was making. Look at him now. Where is he now? He's about to get replaced in New York yeah. after one season, two seasons? One season, two, two seasons. seasons. Um, because it doesn't tell the whole picture. You have to watch the college games. You have to watch the tape, see these guys in real games, real situations. Yes, of course, there's also the measurables. And, you know, you want that freak athlete, something they can do a little extra. You know, you're going to get a little bit more out of them. Uh, this guy's five foot seven, but he's, he's, he's doing a vertical of, of, of 11 39. Feet, you know, and you're, and you're like, well, I mean, that guy's a freak of nature. Maybe get him in. Um, yeah. Especially if it's guys that are like lower down in the draft board as well. So you're, you're right. It does. It does a couple of things. Um, do you think it it's more, Mick, just increase. on that point? Do you, do you think it's more? It's e it's easier for people to raise their draft stock when they're in the trenches than it does at wide receiver, cornerback, safety, linebacker, because um, you can, you have coaches in the NFL uh, like our own Jeff Stoutland, uh, who you know can teach the technique of a really physical player a la, second time I've said a la this podcast, <laughs> a la Jordan Mile, another Jordan, Jordan Mile a la. Uh, uh, and we've seen what, what he was able to do there. Also, just on that point, Jeff Stoutland was uh, the, one of the, he was the main coach for the offensive lineman at the Combine yesterday and watching him teach technique and step backs and before they run off was incredible. Like he literally destroyed all of them. Like, if they didn't do it right, he called them back. No one else was doing that in the entire draft combine. But if they didn't do it right, he's like, I'm, I'm trying to help you. Like, 
And um, when we talk about the offensive linemen, probably on the next podcast, we'll go into that uh, in, in a little bit more detail. But do, do you think it's it's easier for the, the 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 people in the trenches to raise their stock rather than a wide receiver? Like Phil says, I mean, what, you catch a ball 40 yards, uncontested doesn't really mean much. But if your athleticism is off the charts and you can teach technique, then maybe in the trenches it's more uh, transferable, maybe? Or am I talking at my I think, I, think you're, I think you're trying to convince yourself more than convince I think us. I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you make a good point. To be honest, I hadn't really thought about it like that, that it could um, benefit a position group more than others. Um, like you said, if, uh, yeah, your, your corners and wide receivers, it's, it's not really against anyone. If you're watching a cornerback sort of start backpedaling against a ghost, it's, it's, um, it's not that impressive, is it? <laughs> It's almost, yeah. it's almost, det- it's almost riskier, in my opinion, for your cornerbacks, your wide receivers, or your running backs. And in completely opposite, it's, it's, it's not risky at all for your offensive linemen or your defensive tackles because you can drop a ball as a wide receiver in a combine. It doesn't look good. Um, Jamar Gibbs dropped his first ball thrown to him, the running back out of Alabama, um, and he went back and um, it reran the route again and and caught it. Um, it was thrown by a, a scout, yeah. I will hasten to add. But, yeah, well, um, yeah, the, the, the point to him is he's supposed to be a pass catching running back. Well, you know, it, ex- exactly. That's my so. point. That's my point. Yeah. No, uh, you're right. It does. Like, he can lower stock as, as well as raise it. Um, I think Keyshawn Booty, the LSU wide receiver, didn't do himself any favours either at the at the combine. I'm, I'm fairly sure his 40 dash time was abysmal. Um, and most of his other um, measurables were um, much the same. Uh, he didn't have a great last year in college either, to be honest. I think we should avoid him at all costs. Um, but who was yeah. that you mentioned, Mick? What was his name? It's Kishon Boutet. Oh, Boutet, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it, it, players can win or lose out of this combine. It's I can understand why some of them just don't bother, and this, you know they just think. You can you can maybe see me at my pro day, where it's sort of slightly where you've different. got your own quarterback, you're on your yeah. own field, you the trust is there, and you're not being thrown the ball by a scout from the Colts who was thrown down. Absolutely. I can see that. I can see that. All right, with all of that preamble in mind, should we go and look at some cornerbacks? <laughs> yes. Why don't we? <laughs> Let's do it. Um, I'm gonna. So we're gonna do this. So so just so all you know, listening, why have we done these cornerbacks? Why have we researched these cornerbacks? Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. He is, I won't go through the PF ranks. I'll do that one by one. So Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. Uh, he is slated to go in the in the top 10, 12. Same as Christian Gonzalez, quarterback out of Oregon. Um, we've done Deontay Banks out of Maryland, who is slated to go perhaps in the later uh, half of the first round. Certainly the second half of the first round. Um, and after these three, I've researched the quarterbacks who the Philadelphia Eagles have interviewed this week, which seemed pertinent. So that is Garrett Williams, uh, quarterback out of Syracuse. That is also Julius Brents. I love these names. Quarterback out of Kansas State. And Kilo Ringo, what a name that is, out of Georgia. Um, and finally, I haven't done much research on him because there wasn't much to find. Kedron Smith is how I'm going to try and pronounce that. And I could be completely wrong. So if you're listening and you do know his real name, do not hate me. Without going any further on, I want to I want to start with um, Devon Witherspoon, um, not Weatherspoons, 
uh, for anyone listening in the UK. It's, it's Witherspoon with an I. And he is the top-rated cornerback on PFF's ranking. He is ranked seven. Mick, you mentioned a few minutes ago that he had a hamstring injury, so he wasn't able to complete his 40-yard dash. Um, but there were some metrics that they were able to do. Uh, well, first off, he's 22 years old, so he's not the youngest cornerback in the draft, but he's not the oldest cornerback in the draft. He's five foot 11, so he's about average height for a cornerback in the draft. He's 180 pounds, which is very much on the lighter side for cornerbacks in the draft. His arms are 31 inches, which is middling. His wingspan is middling, and we don't know what his 40-yard dash was. Mick, do you know much about Devin Weatherspoon, and 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 how, did you see him play much in in college last year? I, to be honest, no, I, I didn't really watch a lot of Illinois games, so I, I haven't seen an awful lot of Witherspoon. Um, I know that his stock started to really, really rise after the college season had finished. He sort of just almost came out of nowhere. I mean, it depends how much college football you really watch, but. Um, for me, I, th- I think he was a bit of a surprised riser at the mm-hmm. time. Um, but, you know, once you start looking a bit more deep into uh, the stats and how he plays, how physical he can get, um, that he plays his traditional wide-out corner, um, I think he, he doesn't he hasn't played a lot of slot snaps um, in his career. Um, like I said, he's, he's sort of that, if you're going to draft him, he's going to be a CB1 type, you know, the... the, the better on press and man coverage um, as an outside um, coverage cornerback. So, I mean, it looks good. I think I need to do a bit more uh, digging into, you know, the the plays that he's made in college. But, uh, I mean, all all the scouts and analysts have been, you know, raving about him. He's CB one on most people's lists, not on yeah, my list. Everyone's not on mine no, personally. Nor me. Um, but you know, that's possibly due to my own ignorance of not not mm-hmm. um, really scouting him out so far. Um, like I said, it was a, what we've already said about the combine and stuff. But it was a shame not to be able to, like, you know, really see him and, and test him out. Whether or not he will be taking part in his pro day is, is remains to be seen. Um, but you know. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be unhappy if we if we took Witherspoon at, at ten overall. Definitely not. Um, I, I mean, for, a, for couple, a, deep... a couple of these guys, I would take it ten. Yeah, I, I agreed. I mean, for a deep cornerback uh, class and, and a good cornerback class, when we've seen the talent that's been selected high in the first round over the last couple of years, Sauce Gardner, Gardner, for example, Phil, it's. I touched on this earlier. Would you go there? Would you not go there? But Devin Witherspoon, he's had one year only, is, is is which is a risk for me of elite play. So Mick, you mentioned you, you kind of came out of nowhere, and that's accurate. Uh, he's only had one year of, of this elite play, but that elite play was allowing a passer rating of twenty six point two. That's James Bradbury, Darius Slay, early season numbers last year in the NFL. Obviously, it's in college football. In three interceptions, he only allowed 22 receptions all year out of 62 targets. So one no, one in three targets goes to the receiver. The other two, he defends or they, they don't catch the ball. He finished the he finished country in the top five 
in completion percentage allowed, forced incompletions, passer rating allowed when targeted, and yards allowed per coverage. And Mick, as you mentioned, he did that while playing more man coverage than any other cornerback in the class. Very feisty, um, incredible at reading routes, great out of breaks and gets to receivers fast. Slightly on the lighter side, but they said that about Devontae Smith, and we know how that turned out. <laughs> um, one thing to note, a couple of things to note, Phil, just, just with Devin Weatherspoon. Very aggressive. A lot of scouting reports say he'll get flagged a lot in the NFL. Not something Eagles fans would like to see. We're, we're, we're as bad as, if any, if not worse, when, when Eagles players flag, get, get flagged for silly silly mistakes and and also just a one year of elite play with those two things in mind phil would that would that make you reticent to choose him at 10 if he was there on the board yeah yeah i think you've, you're making some some valid points and and also the injury and the fact that he didn't take part in the combine to contradict my earlier point is a concern like you go there and you perform there's no worries but people are always going to be niggling about the injury lack of experience and if he is an aggressive player yeah in this league we all know what it's like super bowl being the most recent example of of getting flagged and um in that position and and how infuriating it can be but but that being said there's a reason why he's he's up there um ranked ranked sixth and for by pff and and the stats you read out with 22 receptions allowed and 62 is incredibly impressive with with three interceptions i think He's there for a reason, and and I think you would be crazy to pass on it. So if yeah. he was there, you'd have to have a really good reason or a much better player in mind for for a much better reason to not go for it. I don't think he'll he'll be there necessarily. So I think you'll be looking more at Gonzalez and and beyond if you were to take a cornerback in the first round. But again, we just don't know what the Eagles are planning to do. But yeah. you know, you want an aggressive player. Um, can you coach that player to be more smarter with the aggressiveness, or are you just gonna are you just signing a, a beast that you're sort of letting out of the cage and just hoping for the best that he's just gonna make <laughs> absolute plays? I mean, I know different positions, but you know when you're looking at digs at the Cowboys, um, that kind of rings a bit true in the sense that unbelievable stats, but also got torched and 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 smashed a couple of times. So is he? Is he going to be sort of a 50-50 player in the league? Because it's just a completely different game. You're playing against different types of athletes. You know, if he's playing, if he's going up against Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase in the league, is he going to have those kind of stats? So I think you've got to pick out the bits that mean the most to you. Um, and we just don't know what the Eagles are looking for. So personally, I'd be put off by it, taking the risk on him um, with the aggressiveness and the injury. But... I think if he's there, you've got to have a you've got to have a good reason not to, not just a niggling yeah. concern. You've got to be, you've got to know exactly what you're what you're giving up. Yeah, yeah and I, was, I mean, be, being a oh, sorry, mate, go on. I, I was I was just gonna I, I was just looking some stuff up about Witherspoon, like I said, um, I didn't know an awful lot, uh, and I was just having a look at the, the the Illinois season, you know, and they only had they didn't have a lot of losses during the season, but they only played two ranked teams. That's in the top 25. And one of them was against the, the University of Michigan, um, who finished third overall uh, ranked team in the country. And they held them to 19 points on the day. And it took like a fourth quarter comeback um, for kicking field goals for them to win that game. Um, that's that's pretty impressive to keep... Um, 
uh, Blake Corum, who's the, the running back at, at Bay. He's, I mean, Devin probably didn't play a, a big part in that, but um, keeping uh, uh, the quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, quiet on that day as well is, is quite impressive. So that's something um, important to know, I think. That's that that I mean, that's very that's very important to know. Um, uh, on the PFF draft uh, notes, do you know who the player he was compared to? Oh, Darius, Darius Slay. Slay, yes, it oh, is. Sorry, Slay, sorry. before you could. Yeah, like big, big play. <laughs> don't call him Darius. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, don't call him Darius. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be put on the Patricia list. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus, yeah. It was quite funny in our UK Eagles WhatsApp group. You, uh, it was a question went earlier. What did Matt Patricia do to piss off Darius Slay? I will not read out the suggestions that were put in that WhatsApp group, but it was uh, rather humorous, shall we say, this morning to read through some of those, um, uh, yeah, quite uh, wider than mark suggestions, shall we say. Let's, uh, Mick, I think me and you are very much aligned on this. Uh, I'm in love in love with Christian Gonzalez um, for a number of reasons. Uh, one, he's 20 years of age. And like Bo Wolf of the Birds of Friends podcast, I look at age as a huge factor when I'm drafting talent, especially when I'm drafting top talent, because I want I want them to be young when it comes around to re-signing them if we want to re-sign them. I don't want them to be 23, 24 and then if we want to re-sign them, all of a sudden they're 28, 29 years of age. You sign someone at 20, you're re-signing them back at 24, 25. And you've got another whole contract out of them. So being 20 years of age and being a top 10 projected draft pick by PFF, which is Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, is a huge plus for me. Um, six foot two which is incredibly tall for a cornerback. He ran a 4.38 at six foot two. That is monstrous, monstrously fast for somebody six point six foot two. 32 arms, so bigger than Witherspoon, um, and also had a 41.5 vertical jump, which is massive, um, especially for a six foot two guy as well. <clears throat> Mick, he's a do-it-all corner, can fit into any scheme. He had four interceptions and nine forced incompletions last year. He's a great tackler in the open field. He only missed 6% of his attempts at tackling in 2022. He's incredibly fast for his size. I mean, what is not to love about Gonzalez? I would have him over Witherspoon, personally. Yeah, I've, I've also got him over Witherspoon. I mean, listen to me talking like I'm a big shot draft guy, you know, I know all the players and draft scouts send me send me uh send me over to the States next year for the <laughs> for, for the scouting combine. No. Well um, those listening in, if, if if we haven't mentioned it already, Mick not drinking tonight for the first time in I think twenty seven <laughs> years. So um if you notice any difference in his performance, do message us in and if we do need to make sure that Mick's covered his stocked up with whiskey for the future, then let us know. Uh, see, um, maybe I'm, you, you'll be able to understand me by the time the podcast finishes, but then it, most people probably can't understand me when it starts, so that's, that's also I think fine. we need to start a GoFundMe page for Mick's whiskey collection, because there's nothing, wrong, nothing worse than a Scotsman without a whiskey collection. Exactly! That's what I'm talking about! <laughs> Sad, isn't it? I'll play my, my small violin. Um, don't worry, PD's only a couple of days away, and uh, I'll restock, and don't worry about Good me. Man. I'll be Good fine. Man. Um 
But yeah, Gonzalez, um, Gonzo, love him. I absolutely love him. Uh, I think, you know, going into the combine, I already loved him. What he did at the combine, smashed out of the park. But I kind of hate that a little bit because mm-hmm. it puts him on everybody else's radar. Stock yeah. rises, rises, rises. And now I'm afraid he's going to be gone by the time the Eagles are picking um, at, at number 10. The question is, would you trade up for a talent like that? Um, I'll, I'll I'll put that to both of you, but not just now. I just want to have okay. a look at some. I of will this. Zip, I will zip my mouth. <laughs> some of the stats, you know, he's forty yard dash, like you said, it's four point three eight on the day. His twenty yard split was two point five five. Ten yard split one point five four. Again, these are these are elite stats, and and this is a guy who's like fluid in movement. You know, he he, he can change his hips any direction. He's like Shakira. He's absolutely beautiful. Um, <laughs> I love everything about him. You, you can tell already that I've got my, my, my hopes made up all on this one guy. <laughs> but would, would you would would you trade would you trade up from if the price was right or not? Oh, Phil, shall I go first? Yeah, <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go first. Um, oh, just want I want to just touch on his pros and cons first, right? So, um, we talked about his size and his his movement. Um, and he can line up anywhere. Like it's, so, it's this is a this is a this is a guy you build your defense around. This is a guy you build your your secondary around. And and we're gonna need that with Darius Slay being 32 years of age. We're gonna need that with James Bradbury testing free agency. There's a chance we don't bring CJ Gardner Johnson back. You need someone like this to build your defense around. And in complete contrast to Witherspoon, there are those who say he lacks a bit of a killer instinct. Uh, and you, you, he could impose himself a little bit more and could attack the ball a little bit more than he does. So um, that that's kind of an interesting take on the personality. Which of those fits in Philly? Probably Witherspoon, if you're going to look at it from a personality trait perspective. Um, but his his talent is unquestionable, unquestionable. And he he he's played um, a lot in zone as opposed to man coverage, which Witherspoon has had. And with, as we mentioned earlier on our new defensive coordinator likely to play his own um, more than press man, then that's something that would suit uh, the scheme a little bit more. Would I trade up to get him? I'm sure Phil's got many caveats, which I'm going to throw a few in there as well. I mean, where are you trading up? Are you trading up to eight? Are you trading up to seven? Um, I'm not trading up more than seven, even if I yeah, am. Well, yeah, we'll just assume like there's going to be four quarterbacks taken and, and you know, there's, there's only another... Five guys there, two of them, or one's going to be Jalen Carter, one is going to be Will Anderson. So there's only like another three on the board. So say you know, we're trading I, I, up maybe a couple of spaces. You're not going more than seven or eight from no matter what happens, I don't think, on the board. Although we did see Sauce Gardner Johnson shoot up the board last year, and, and rightly so, having seen the season he's just had. Do I see how he trades when I was about to call him how he trades? <laughs> That's his name because we're not picking at ten or thirty. It's how he trades, man. Is how he trades, but that is his name from now on. That was completely on accident as well. Do we see Harry Tradesman uh, um, drafting up to to sign any player? Does he fuck? He, he did it for Devonte. Uh, he did it for Devonte, but it was what was from what thirteen to ten. Yeah, but they yeah. traded back before we're that. Pick, so technically, yeah, that was the trade back. Yeah, I, I, no, nah, I'm, I'm not having that as the same as trading from ten into the top seven eight. I mean that that's you're talking serious serious 
uh, draft capital that it costs to trade up when you're in the top 10. Even if you're trading up from six to five, because teams really want a player, you're, you're going to make them pay the house. And I don't see how we pay the house. Not when you have other options available in a deep cornerback class. Not when you have options on the offensive line that he could take. Not when you have options on the D defensive end position, all of which Howie could quite comfortably pick with the number one pick of the draft. Um, would I like to see him trade up to eight to take him? Probably. Do I see it happening? I put my mortgage on it not happening. Yeah, I'm probably going to agree with Katie you. Katie just heard that in the corner and went, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I probably agree with you um, with the most part there. I think given the fact that how many quarterback needy teams out there, so there's probably going to be at least three or four quarterbacks going in the, in the, in the top 10. Um, and other positional needs um, that are out there for other teams. I think there's no need. I mean, they have to really want him. And the fact they've not interviewed him at the Combine was already, already on the back foot in terms of that, that line of thinking. So I would say very much 10's a good place to be in terms of someone's good is going to be there at 10. It might not I be a cornerback. But hopefully it's someone like Gonzalez, because I think if Gonzalez is there at 10, it's a no-brainer. Hopefully a team that, you know, took Trayvon Walker ahead of Aiden Hutchinson last year is there taking with a spoon first. So that's another position hopefully gone. Um, you've got that offensive tackle that shouldn't really escape me, but... Um, Paris Johnson. Now. Hmm? Paris Johnson. I'm not, no, it wasn't that one. But um, it's more of a case of... He excites me too. I you oh, said Broderick, like you two Broderick, are gonna Broderick. be on... No, Sorry, I'll, no. I'll stop I'll stop shouting names at you. <laughs> <laughs> Just shout random random names. Um see how this podcast goes. Um, Sorry. So <laughs> I'm with you on the Gonzalez Mountain because I think you know if we're gonna go for him, it'll be because he falls to ten. I don't think how he trades up because when you're getting into the top 10, you're starting to look at future first round picks or we're, we're looking at losing our, our pick 30. I mean, you can maybe argue that a, that a team looking to trade in from second round to 30 might be willing to trade in, trade into 30 so we can trade around with that. But mm -hmm. that could happen. But ultimately, I, I just like how he trades when he, uh, you can, he gets You can see someone going from... That was smooth, though. Smooth. Harry, Harry Tradesman, I love it. I, I genuinely, completely unintentional. I, I can see, I, I can see um, Howie trading somewhere around 36, 37, wants to move up to thirty, like around that. Because I don't think the difference. I don't think there's a huge difference in talent across the board when you look at pick thirty to to pick 38, 39, 40 even. You know, in that thirty to forty bracket, there's probably not. I mean, top ten. Top 12, top 13, I think there's a big gap between that and early 20s. But the gap between 30 and 40, I don't think is that big, depending on the position group you're looking at. So I think that that could be a, a, a great shout. Phil, maybe how he doesn't trade away his 10 to go to 18. Maybe he trades away his, his 30 to go 38 and then maybe pick up a 53 or something alongside it to, 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 to make that um, draft class a little bit bigger for 2023. Um, that's interesting. Mick, you answer your own question. You trading up to eight? I'll give you eight. You trading up to eight to get Gonzalez if he is still there on the board? 
I love this guy, man. I, I am taking it. <laughs> you are? <laughs> well, they'd be contrarian for the sake of the podcast. Yes, I will. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, I think... I mean, see, see if you're going to get an elite cornerback. I mean, cornerbacks are not easy to find. We have struggled for years. And yet, like before Darius Slay, we've had nobody at cornerback. And we have died on the outside for many, many, many years. And we need, we, we need the replacement. Like you said, Darius is, is only getting older. Um, and James Bradbury's gone. Um, what were we left with? Zach McPherson on the outside. Can you imagine that? Um, no. Are we talking about putting Maddox back to the outside? Um, no. Of course, we can test free agency. We tried that um, with Stephen Nelson with mixed results. Um, mm. The top cornerbacks don't have free agency because they're, they're elite players. We had to trade for Slay. Um, the, the, the only other time we've taken a cornerback in the first round was Leto Shepard back in 2002. So that, you know, knowledge 21 years ago. So yeah. it's time. Howie, get the fucking finger out and get my boy home. <laughs> hey, let me let me put her horrendous scenario to you. Uh, Eagles sign Matt Patricia as their uh, a defensive uh, coach. Darius Say leaves. CJ Gardner Johnson leaves in free agency, um, and James Bradbury also leaves in free agency. The Eagles don't take a cornerback in round one, and we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do this to us? Sorry. <laughs> um, just to note, just to note for anyone wondering, uh, if we were to trade up to eight, the Atlanta Falcons currently hold that pick. If we were to trade up to nine, Carolina Panthers hold that pick. I think it's unlikely that the Falcons stay at eight unless they are planning on picking up Richardson, the quarterback. Um, just interesting to note the teams we'd have to trade up with. Not. None of he which are before that he had a combine. Oh, talking about guys who improved, yeah, he did. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very interesting all around. See, Phil, Phil at the start has said, you know, combine's not interesting. Chat with all this stuff. Look at all this interesting content we're talking about. All yeah, right. He, he threw some he threw some tremendous balls with no pads on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But he did have a cannon. Um, and no, I, 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 yeah. I, he did. He did have a, he did have a good combine, and, and I, I'm quite excited by him. I'm really looking forward to see where he goes, purely from a fantasy football perspective, because I oh. feel like it's going to be an interesting player to pick up wherever he goes. I mean, you're, you're talking Jamar Chase. Uh, Jamar Chase. You're talking. Um, you're talking Jalen Hurts. Um, you're talking Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, like in one. <laughs> if it comes out now, a bit like Witherspoon, he's only had one year where he's really shown what he's got. So there's a lot of um, a lot of ceiling there, as opposed to was there, um, were there not comparisons to Cam Newton with him? Or my no, he said Cam Newton was his i was his idol going. Oh, was his idol. Don't maybe don't may well be comparisons. Excuse me, comparisons as well. Um, shall we move on? As I see, Mick highlights the next cornerback on our. Um, on our uh, little research document here, uh, Deontay, Deontay, but with an E, not an A, like um, Slim Reaper, Deontay uh, Banks, or is it Deontay? Deontay, Deontay, Deontay Banks, a cornerback out of Maryland. <laughs> he, he is PFF ranking of 18, so he's due to go in the um, second half of the first round, but only just at the moment. He is 22 years old, so a little bit older, same age as Witherspoon. 
six foot one. So again, he's tall. Six one is tall for a cornerback in the draft. He weighs 197 pounds. So he's again a similar size to Gonzalez. 31 and a half arms, similar. 40 dash 4.35. That is really quick. And get this at 6'1 rather than 6'2, he had a 42 inch vertical jump. Now, to put that into perspective of the other cornerbacks in the draft, he was fourth of all cornerbacks in the combine with an athleticism rank of number one with a score of 98, which is crazy. We're going to talk about a cornerback who is even more explosive <laughs> in a minute. But what you so know, I was going to say, what does that even mean? What does night? What does a score of ninety-eight in athleticism mean? So, so that, that that basically means age, weight, uh, dash, vertical jump, broad jump, um, all those kind of things. So, so the highest, right. the, the longest broad jump. So he can he can jump the furthest from a standing still position. The highest vertical um, jump, which is where he hits the little thingies that fly around. Uh, how fast he was. And I guess also his height, weight, and age. I don't know if they're factored into that score. But either way, he was ranked number one in those categories. Phil, does that plus eight placate you there? Yeah. It's just by the way that people throw these things around. It's like, I, I know it's probably based on all the, all the stats, but it's just like, he's ranked number one with a score of 98. I'm like, I don't even I expect know. expect listeners to give me this kind of shit, not my co-host. <laughs> Right, Deontay Banks, number one, with a letter to the score of 98. Um, Mick, Maryland, did you see any of them last year? Phil, did you see any of Maryland last year? I didn't. Every day. (laughs) Yeah, that's um, Tua's Tua's brother, his quarterback for them. I did Um, not know that. Okay. There you go. A little little bit of knowledge there. A little nugget. Yeah, a little nugget. (laughs) I I didn't watch an awful lot of Big Ten. Um, to be fair, but I mean, it, it's it's hard. It's, it's difficult to watch so many games over here. You don't really have a game pass sort of thing like the NFL does, so you're sort of restricted to whatever BT Sport decides to show on any given week, or the ESPN player decides to show on any given week. Um, there's not like an all-encompassing red zone type show that you could watch, and you watch every touchdown from every college stadium from oh, there should be though. from Notre Dame to Bum- East Bumfuck Stadium. Um, there should be. Damn right, I agree. There should be, but you know, Deontay Banks. You say he's got he's got all the measurables. Um, he's on PFF's position. He's ninth in the position rank on PFF. Um, but like you said, because he, he performed so well at the combine, his, his stock is is probably rising from there. Um, again, he it, it looks it looks like a a good player. Someone that we would be looked to. Where you say you try to pick this guy up, Liam? He's thinking the 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 back of the first. Um... Back of back of the first, unless I've got my PFF ranking completely off on my research. He's um he's looking around pick thirty. Although I've done quite a few mock drafts, and while he he's ranked in the the kind of twenties, um in terms of when you should pick him, he seems to still be around in the fifties. Now, I don't know if there's anything to do with the simulators of the teams know something I don't know. And I don't know enough about college football to to give a um, a better, more professional reasoned argument as to why that would be. But for some reason, he keeps dropping in simulator drafts. Uh, and that could be because um, he had a shoulder injury in 2021. Um, so he's had a few injuries during his, his career. Um, he's missed quite a lot of uh, football. He's big has good agility. 
um, as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, all of his, all of his, um, you know, physical tangibles seem to stack up really well. Um, in terms of cons, he has a problem with awareness, and I think that's one of the big concerns that perhaps scouts are looking at. Um, he's not very good at recognizing routes. When there's complicated routes, he gets lost when they're crossing over the middle. Uh, when he's running back with his back to the ball, he gets nervous, he gets anti, he gets frantic, and he scrambles back, he flaps a little bit. Um, You're selling and, this guy, you mean? You're not selling this guy, at all. No, I know, but you, <laughs> but he but can you run. Know, he can, he can but run. He, but he, can, <laughs> he, can, he can run, he's big, he's aggressive, he's physical. So if you're playing him in man, he's going to be Sorry, if you're playing in coverage, he's going to be better in coverage than he is going to be better in. Um, um, sorry, if you're playing him in zone, he's going to be better in uh, his zone scheme than he is going to be in a man scheme, uh, because he'll be able to use his phys physicality at the point of the route when they converge. Um, he can move very fast. He's an outstanding tackler um, as well. <clears throat> so there are there are a lot of players to have. Do you know who? Do you know who his comparison is? Do we? Eli Apple. Oh, which really? is, you know, Eli Apple was a good cornerback for a good few years. <laughs> Phil's laughing again. Where are you getting that from? He's, he's getting the beef <laughs> with um, Tyreek Kill, doesn't he? No, that's not what I'm saying. I just, I'm just going on Eli Apple at the moment. It isn't exactly someone I want to be drafting their plays compared. Not to. now, but he's had a good. He's had a. He's had a decent career as a cornerback, and we're not talking about someone who's going in the top ten here. Um, so I don't know. Look, his 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 physical attributes are, are off the charts. Um, he's got great recovery speed. He's big. He's physical, um, but he's he lacks a bit of awareness, and he's had a big injury. So, yeah, I'm not really selling this guy much at all, am I? <laughs> what do you reckon, Phil? You taking him at thirty? Do you reckon no. he drops to sixty-two? Do you take him at sixty-two if he does? Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a chance that a player like that will will drop a little bit further than than, than you think, based on especially what you've what you've just detailed to us and i think someone listening not, in is gonna have watched all of his tape last year and is gonna like destroy me in my dms for my take on it <laughs> but i think i think i think for the eagles situation i think they'd either be looking to take one of the top two or they'd be they'll be picking someone up uh later on uh, or in I just, free agency um, phil or in free agency like we've done over the last or you know tra trading for someone or in free agency like we've done the last few years that's worked out pretty well James Bradbury, Devontae Smith, run it again, Howie. You know, you don't want to draft yeah. them, then get them free, get them, get them the other way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good stuff. All right. Should we move on to Garrett Williams, cornerback, Syracuse. Mick, you watched much Syracuse football last year? One orange. Let's go orange. So uh, tangibles again. Uh, we're, again, we're talking about a, a player who has similar, again, a lot of bursts. And it's just worth noting. I know I mentioned earlier on. So the Eagles did interview um, Garrett Garrett Williams. Uh, they have not interviewed any of the first three people we talked about. So this is the first player that they did interview. He's five foot eleven, so a, a, a good size for a cornerback. He's twenty one years old. Uh, so he's not 22 or 23. Again, probably good size. 192. I'm going to repeat myself. It's a good weight to be at cornerback. 31 arms. His 40 dash was 4.38. So he's fast. Um, and he had a huge jump, 42. So just to put that into comparison, Gonzalez jumped 42. 
at six foot two, touchy six foot three. At five eleven, Garrett Williams, he's got bounce. He jumped the same forty-two at five eleven. So seriously impressive. Seems to be a theme with some of the quarterbacks we're talking about here. He had a torn ACL, which ended his 2022 season after um, seven games. He had a very good career grade of eight, of, of just touching 80, which is impressive enough as it is. And um, worth noting, though, and Mick, I don't know if you picked this up, but um, a couple of analysts have talked about it being a bit of a square peg, trying to fit into a round hole. Phil, that's one of your phrases. I'm sure I've heard you say that before. Yeah, on this that is podcast. one of my <laughs> In, in the Syracuse defense, because of his 907 career snaps, only 35% came in man coverage. Um, he's got incredible foot movement. He can mirror a receiver's effortlessly. Um, and he uh, will be covered by teams who run a, a man-heavy scheme, which ironically is not the Eagles. Um, significant success in the ACC. Led the league in pass breakups in 21 and 22, and also has been a three-year back-to-back ACC selection over the last three years. Although it says he's suited to man-heavy schemes, surely the stats he produced in the combine and the fact that he can stay in a wide receiver's pocket still work pretty well for zone, Nick, I would have thought. Yeah, uh, I think so too. Um, I quite like the sound of this guy, to be honest with you, Liam. Um, like you said, like if you're bringing him in to, you know, be an outside shutdown corner, you could probably get that from him. And uh, you know, if it's more of a cover two corner that you put him in zone coverage, and you, a guy that can be physical, can defend the flats, the shallows, um, <clears throat> you know, sort of forcing opposing quarterbacks to throw over the top, you know, and deal with the safeties. Um, that's the sort of guy that can that can do that role and really impose himself as well. Like you said, he's got quite a, a big frame. Um, but uh, from, like you said, from the combine stats, um, from, you know, some of the scouting notes, looks like he, he's, you know, really fluid in, move, in movement as well. So that that's, oh, you know, quite rare for a guy that's, that's um, well, I mean, he's, he's like you said, he's 5'11", 6 foot. Uh, so it does seem like me, actually. So uh, I don't fancy flex. myself against AJ Brown. It'd be fair. That's, two flexes that's, on not, this, that's, that's not a that's flex. Two, two flexes on this podcast. Six foot and uh, and losing losing all the time. 10 kilos or whatever it is you lost. You fit into a medium. Fuck off, will you? Talking to somebody who's 5'9 five, five, at a push over here and he hasn't lost any weight since Christmas. Well, got to put the work in, you know what I mean? Oh, I know. <laughs> that that's, was what the, sure. that's what the personal trainer keeps telling us. Yeah, but the but the um, you know, the, the concern there is the torn ACL, and yeah, God, doesn't that just remind you of Landon Dickerson? Yep, absolutely. We've already been there and done it, and we said, don't take him. You know, he's, he's got an injury history; it could be a catastrophe. And he had two he, ACLs, didn't he, on on different knees? Does it again? Yeah, I think. I, Cam Jorgens also come with an injury prone history as well. And although we've not seen a lot of him, I expect to see a lot of him next year. Um, but you know, yeah, I think if, if we look to Garrett Wilson in the second round, um, or, I mean, you know, if we trade back in the first uh, into the early second, I, I could be convinced to, to take this guy. Like I said, I think cornerback is a huge, huge need for Philadelphia, and we need to draft someone in the first two rounds. Yeah, completely agree. Phil, you'd be happier with Garrett Williams than you would be with Deontay Banks if we took him in the second round, around 60, if you felt? 
it was it was a no right up until Mick made that really good point about <laughs> Eagles doing their due diligence with injury um, type players that sort of you normally you see you see the the uh, the acronym ACL and you immediately go Ugh, no um, <laughs> maybe slightly different from a cornerback to a um, an offensive lineman probably in terms of what what the risk of re-injury is and, and what an ACL means to that type of player. But the fact that the Eagles is the only one, it's the first, well, it's the highest one that the Eagles have interviewed, obviously it's just they want to get to know him better or that they see something that they want to figure out a little bit more early on. So the fact that maybe the Eagles think that Gonzalez and Witherspoon are going to be gone and they're not, intent, not interested in trading up, so they're going to start looking at these guys and going, actually... We're not going to pick one with with thirty, with ten or thirty. It's going to be sort of late second round pick, maybe a trade up or a trade down in, into sort of like the end of the second, beginning of the third, maybe to pick up a pick or two, maybe later on. This is the sort of player that that you'd have to be targeting for that kind of strategy, and I think mm-hmm. that's the only sort of opinion I really have. I mean, you've already touched on the on the measurables and that, so no, I'm not I completely, cut- I, I completely agree. I think, I think it's it's. It's definitely a case, I think, here for the Eagles trading 10 or 30 and picking up a, a mid-second round, mid-second mid, mid, mid round pick, um, and uh, as well as whatever pick they, they, they managed to get. And, and taking someone like Garrett Wilson, uh, Will, Williams, I should say, not Garrett Wilson, he's a different player altogether. Was he the guy who was drafted for the Jets last year? Yes. <laughs> the wide receiver. Great wide uh, receiver, Ohio State. Yep. Very, very good. Um, all right, cool. Um, conscious we're an hour and 30 minutes in, so let's try and uh, breeze through the next two very, very quickly. Um, so uh, Julius Brents, his PFF rank is 62. What's the Eagles' third pick in the draft? Number 62. So at the moment, Julius Brents from Kansas State. Um, is ranked 62. He is fecking massive, as we would say in Ireland. <laughs> he is six foot three and a half, touching six foot four. Um, he's got 34 arms. He's a good weight, 198. 34 years. arms. 34 arms, big, right? For a corner. Octopus. <laughs> that's like that's like Josh Wet arms, but for a cornerback. Um, he's got 34 arms. His vertical jump is still big because sometimes big players don't jump that don't jump that high, and that sounds silly, but it's true. It's still 41.5 vertical jump. His 40-yard dash is still 4.53. So you know, it, very decent for someone who's six six three and a half. Um, obviously not the 4.38 from Gonzalez at six two, but I think that's a, a decent pace. He is the perfect classic zone cover. That you would want for a Sean Desai defense. <laughs> he is a standing blend of size, length, and leaping ability. Um, he's great on the reroute. Um, he's got a really good eye for discipline um, from zone, and he's got ball skills to win the battle when the pass is thrown up there at the point of contact. He has instincts to move at safety if you need to, although I highly doubt it, to be honest. 
he's had a great career so far. All Big 12 conference selection in his first year with the Wildcats. Recorded 49 tackles, three for a loss, one interception, and two pass breakups while starting all 13 games. <clears throat> he ascended to the first All Big 12 in 2022, leading Kansas State with four interceptions and 45 tackles, 3.5 for a loss, and four pass breakups in 14 starts. I mean, I've got a list of pros and cons here, but I'm I'm already thinking this is my guy. This is the guy that I want to, this guy I want to sign. I want to sign him at 62. I'd be very happy with Garrett Williams if we can get him at 62 or maybe a little bit earlier, depending on what trades you make. But for me, Julius Brents, he he was interviewed by the Eagles as well. A full interview, not just a a conference interview. He had a full face-to-face interview. Um, this is the guy that I'm targeting to be my um, to be my my zone my zone quarterback um, alongside Darius Slay for 2023, and I do think he'd be a starter straight away, um, being picked up with our second round pick. Mick, yeah, I, I don't have any arguments for everything you've just read out to me. Um, he sounds like he, he could definitely do a job for us. Um, Kansas State Wildcats, so yeah, they, they won the Big 12 last year. They had a phenomenal season, so um, it's coming from a winning program. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No qualms for me. Phil, some of some of the um, the cons that have been put on a scanning report um, can be duked out of position um, on press release. Uh, struggles to stay in phase through break patterns, so again, it's all about these routes being run and and maybe not being 100% on track with them. Full step, um, full steps and um, playmaking mindset can be exploited by misdirection. This all talks about um, if you're a quarterback and you're an offensive coordinator or you're a head coach, you can, you can disguise what you're doing to fool him and that maybe he's a bit too one-track minded in his playmaking ability and his, uh, what his, it feels like he's the kind of guy you, you tell him what to do, he's going to do the best job for you. If you give him the instructions he has, but if it gets a little bit too confusing, then he can get blown up a little bit. And that's being a little bit harsh, but if I'm if I'm reading, that's what I'm reading out of those cons. Um, but I mean, when you look when you look at the the, the pros, I mean, um, he's perfect for zone, um, spies the quarterback well, explosive leaps, wins at the point of catch, rare blend of size and athleticism, um, springs from the hips. I mean, all of them are what you would want, but. He can be confused a little bit sometimes on the play. Yeah so the, yeah. yeah, so the deficiencies are the coaching side of things. That would raise questions if the Correct. Eagles are going to be looking to draft someone like him, then you're going to really have an excellent uh, backs coach um, to be, be helping just the lost. guy. <laughs> Sorry? Which they've just lost in Denard. Yeah, exactly. So that's the that's the um, the question mark for me. The fact that obviously another one that the Eagles have in, have interviewed suggests to me that this is where they're targeting the later rounds. They're going to be looking at these guys, but I'd be concerned if they took a guy like this if they they haven't got someone in who they believe can can coach him well, or depending yeah. on who we've got next to him. If we do keep Slay, if we do keep yeah. Bradbury and let Slay go in in a twist of fate, you know, is he? Are they? Are we going to have someone there that's going to be able to sort of work well alongside him and bring him on as well? So again, could, it could Slay could help be... him quite a lot because he's a similar kind of player in terms of trying to make the big play, big play Slay, um, but also <laughs> yeah. could be his detriment in the other aspect. 
but yeah, it's, it's, there's just question marks um, around that side of things. But when you go the, the later the rounds, the more question marks there are going to be. The, the pros and cons are getting bigger and bigger as we go down this list. Yeah, and of course they are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's harder to um, harder to really pick the good points without kind of getting yeah. concerned about the bad points. But at the end, and of there'll the day, be more stuff that comes out in the next few weeks and months about the well, next six to seven weeks before the draft about these guys that will help them move up and down the board. And obviously, this is our first look at some of these prospects, and I'm sure <laughs> our position and opinion will change on them um, as we go throughout the next few weeks. So there's there's, there's no there's no sticking to the guns here and. I think I think I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's quite I find it quite interesting when you, the pros and cons get uh, more vast the further down you look. It's it's so true. Like the, at the top, you're like, oh my god, what well, is this guy Jesus? Like, can he do no wrong? And now it's like, ooh, mm, stiffer hips than you like is one of the cons I'm looking at. The next cornerback we're talking about, he definitely isn't no Shakira. <laughs> well, the, the one of the one of the biggest. Biggest cons reading the list as you as you were talking then is that but with his feet stored instead of running through the tackle now tackling in the secondary has mm. been our biggest fault that we've sort of get frustrated with the tackling was pretty poor last season so I'd be keen to be getting a guy who's going to be able to sort of commit to it and go hell for leather and and and, and smash through but and if this guy isn't that then are we just leading ourselves to another defense where you know the dink and dunk really worked against us because the tackling was so poor if you if you know past the defensive line before you're looking into the interception territory yeah uh, uh, good point uh talking back to De Deontay banks was one of the better ones at tackling it's very very interesting all around okay so the last person we're going to look at is kilo ringo what a name that is cornerback for georgia now mick surely you watched a bit of georgia last year you love a bit of a little bit of the Bulldogs. Um, he is also 20 years of age, something that I like, uh, and I'm not shy about saying. He also met with the Eagles. He is six foot one, so again, he's a he's a good size. He's 207 pounds, so he, he's he's a he's a big lad. He also ran a 4.36 and had a 33.5 vertical jump. Worth noting that every other cornerback we've talked about so far has had a vertical jump of over 40, and this guy had a 33.5. That's a huge difference. Huge difference. That's a, a 30% difference um, if you look at the, the uplift, or at least a 27% difference, less of a vertical jump than any other player um, uh, that we've, we've talked about so far. However, um, they reckon he's one of the most freakish athletes in the draft. Um, he clocked around 23.5 miles per hour in his pre-draft workout. Um, most wide receivers last year did in top 22.2. So he's absolutely electric. <laughs> Mick, have you seen much of him? Big lad. Yeah, I have. I have seen quite a lot of them. Um, th this is what I was trying to say when I was talking about De Devin Witherspoon at the start of the segment, and that um, you know you get the college season finishes, and there's a sort of consensus top player at each sort of position, or even going throughout the season, and um, then guys just emerge out of nowhere, and you know Witherspoon's one of them. Gonzalez is sort of another, um, but Kelly Ringo was the consensus CB1 heading in throughout the season in college football and towards the end of it as well. And he was being, you know, on a lot of the, the sort of pre, before before the NFL season finished, like the, so a lot of the big boards had Ringo going in the top 10, top 15. And now I've, I've seen instances where he's fallen to the second round or 
I think I seen a mock on Twitter and he was in the third round. Someone picked him he's, up. And he's like, ranked seventy four on PFF. <clears throat> yeah, this this is what I mean. And, and he's just he's been a, a steady four uh, down draft boards since the season ended, uh, which is quite surprising. Like I am not firmly in the Ringo camp. Uh, I think he's a good player. I really do. I mean, Georgia Bulldogs. If, if he's a start, starter for, for that defence, then you know you know that he's got a good pedigree and he's coming from a really, really good programme. Um, these guys and you know are, the Eagles want to, dra- they, they want to draft out of Alabama and Georgia. They've shown that over the exactly. last... Exactly. I mean, he's a national champion. Um, the guy knows how to win. Uh, he's done it against some of the biggest programmes. I mean, you're talking about the SEC. He's faced Alabama, he's faced Nick Saban, he's faced um, Bryce Young and, and all these guys. Um, he's been there and done it. He's faced pro-style offences. That's what a lot of the guys that are coming from smaller schools don't tend to face, like these, you know, big oppositions and they're you know some of the wide receivers that they're facing. You know they're not up to caliber. They're maybe getting drafted, um, or some some of them undrafted. Some of them you know going flip burgers for a living, um, <laughs> and some of the you know power five conferences or or even lower. But um, if we're talking about the SEC and it's just a whole different game. I mean, how many times have we said you know to for for the Eagles like just draft out the SEC because that that's the winning combination. That's the the, the elite division of college football it, it just is um and ringo whilst like i said i, I wasn't massively high on him um i, I, th- I think he, he still would be a, a good a really good pickup for the eagles you said that he ran that 40 dash and 4.36 Six. and and yeah you know, that's a phenomenal time so i mean he can run but he can't jump um, looking, <laughs> looking at his stats here, um, but we might not need him to jump. I mean, if, if he's got that sort of freak athleticism, um, like you said, if, if he's able to pedal back and, and match uh, wide receivers uh, stride for stride, and you know, there's a stat here. There's a stat here, Mick. Yeah. There's, well, there's two steps here. It says he's got stiffer hips than you like. So that's one of the. You just said hip on a swivel. That's what. That's one of the um, the, the cons on him. He's got a, yeah, but, he's got a, he's got a hand on less than ten percent of all targets. Mm-hmm. Now, not ha- having a thirty-three point five vertical jump surely has a lot to do with that. Um, can get manipulated too easily in the press, but we probably wouldn't play him in the press. Um, a little a little head nod can put him out of position. He's a very reactive player. It sounds like he's got all the attributes if he's coached well to be incredible, um, but needs to be coached well. Phil almost emanates back to your point about um, the last cornerback we talked about, Julius Brents. It's you know s- similar, similar but different because Brents is an absolute monster, um, and Ringo's big. He's six one, but he's rapid, quick, rapid, quick. Yeah, I'm not, well, feel- I'm not feeling Ringo. What, what's your thoughts? Well, it's the, I mean, the fact that that Mick says he's falling so consistently down the boards is a, is a big concern but yeah. again it feels like a howie type draft pick where he's sort of spying this guy who's falling down the draft boards because there's going to be a chance later on to pick him up and actually he could be yeah, he loves a bargain does he he loves a bargain <laughs> but the, it does like the stark contrast in the vertical jump i mean eight inches is a lot so my wife tells me um <laughs> so it's a case of if he's missing that then then that's a big concern because that's when you're talking in 
in terms of the contested catch, if he's getting out jumped yeah. by, and he's not, he's not getting his hand on. He's, he's getting his hand on one out of ten balls. That's yeah, it's worry. that's a big concern. It's that means he's going to get targeted an awful lot. And and can you coach <laughs> jumping? No. Probably not. You know, it's a case of if he's going to get beaten, that how do you 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 know, you've got to, have to be clever about how you would use him. And, and I'm not sure without a line uh, without a back coach at the moment that we would be able to do that. But then again, you know, the great plan according to Howie could be that he's got this guy. He's going to plan to get in the back's coach yeah. and then he's going to target these guys that no one else is looking for so that he can target different positions early on in the draft and pick up these guys, get them coached up and, and smash out of the park. So, Well, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's only a bargain if you wear it. You know, that jumper you buy in the shop is only a bargain if you wear it, right? And the Kobe Dean was a bargain. We haven't worn it. Yeah, yet. but people thought he was going to go a lot, lot, lot higher and that wasn't. That was more just Well, I think that's what Mick, Mick was saying at the start of uh, this year, he, this guy was a top 10, top 15 in the last three months. He's dropped down there. Now, I know that's what you, I know what you're saying because that happened on draft night. On draft night, Nicobe Dean dropped so low. And I, I, I get that. I just mean, you know, I'm all for bargains. I mean, Jordan Mailata, hello. Um, but you need you need to wear the jumper. You, you know, you gotta. I'm interested. I, I think probably it's just me segueing into Nicobe Dean. Like, I need to see what we have there because we, 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 we used a third round pick on a guy that was supposed to be a first round pick. And we've seen nada, zilch, nothing. Um, and I don't know. Looking, looking at this guy, dropping down. It's like when you're at the horse racing. You know, you don't back the guy who's going from four to one to eight to one to twelve to one to twenty to one. You back the guy that's going from twenty to one to fourteen to one to eight to one to four to one. That's the guy you back because someone knows something you don't know. Someone more intelligent or more in the know than you knows something that you don't know. <laughs> Um, and that's where, that's that's where you jump on. When I say you, I mean the royal, not <laughs> actually you. <laughs> yeah, but the the ironic thing would be that if you or I were a um, a horse race putting bets on horses, <laughs> the fact that there's a horse called Keely Ringo, Keely yeah. Ringo would be why I'd bet on him. One hundred percent. Yeah, I'd be all in. It'd be like someone putting like you, you'd be betting on the guy. In. You'd be doing the smart bet, and I'd be betting on the guy that's. Uh, it's got the crazy name, and I think, cool, hey. surely he's got a win based on that. Hey, listen, both can work. Both both can work. No, they don't. Um, my way does not work. My, my way definitely doesn't. There was work. a program a while. There was a program a while ago where they got like an expert on. It was it was the, it was dog racing. Can't remember the name it was, but it doesn't matter. Um, and basically, they had four people on there: a guy who, who knew his horses and went on four. Uh, sorry, his dogs and went on four. A guy who picked on names, a girl who picked on the color of their outfit, and then somebody picked on the lane that the dog was running in. And the same thing each time, whatever color you like, whatever name you like, whatever lane you're in, and then the form. Uh, and the woman who picked on color won. So <laughs> there you go. You can never really, you can never really know for certain. Uh, the last person that the Eagles did an interview at the cornerback position is a guy called. Kedron Smith, and I've probably pronounced that wrong, quarterback from Kentucky, six foot, 200 pounds, uh, lacks top speed, can use his size well to disrupt. He's not even in PFF's top 50 because I couldn't get any information on him. Um, and they said he was projected in the fourth to fifth round, but I think it's more likely to be the sixth to seventh. Apologies, don't anymore, but at least you know that he did interview another quarterback that we haven't talked about. Guys, an hour and 50 minutes into the podcast, rather than doing a review of one of the mock drafts, which have been shared, I think we can probably push that back to the next one. And any 
concerns we had about having enough content to talk about when we were talking about coaches and a and a position group for the draft. I think have gone out the window now. I think we're good <laughs> to do this moving forward. Over yeah, the next few weeks. We, we we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly can. All right, Kate. Well, without any further ado, I just want to thank you all for listening in. Um, we are the Next Man of Podcast. We are the British and Irish Eagles. Please do, if you're a member, check out your emails and the WhatsApp group for news on our 2023 membership. If you haven't already signed up to the trip we're doing to Philadelphia in 2023 in November, then please also do that. We will be back next week with, I think, Devin Caney from 94WIP. And, um, yeah, we will give you more information. We'll probably be doing the offensive lineman next week as well, which will be quite interesting as I think we are more likely to take an offensive lineman in the first round than we are a cornerback. And I will leave you with that. Mick, thank you. Phil, thank you. Everyone listening in, we'll speak to you soon. Go Birds! Go Birds!